Welcome to the Talking Horses Podcast, hosted by Steve Halfpenny. Steve is an internationally recognised horsemanship educator, Melbourne Equitana presenter and lifelong student of good horsemanship. His passion for learning about horses and helping them become willing partners to their owners is only exceeded by a willingness to share what he has learned with horse owners everywhere. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of uh, Talking Horses. A little while ago, uh, Ronnie King interviewed me and she mentioned Dr. Susan Fay and Sacred Spaces and I'd uh, never heard of it. So I downloaded the book and and went through it, couldn't stop. And it was interesting to me how, you know, I was working with horses all my life, how many of those ingredients were in my life or not in my life. So we're very lucky today to have Dr. Susan Fay join us. So welcome, Susan. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. It's it's such an honor and, and to think that that little book that I didn't think would go anywhere found its way to Australia and some other places in the world. So it's great. <laughs> it's it's really fascinating, you know, because as a, as a lifelong student of the horse, I suppose, I'm always looking for what's the next step, you know, where, where's the next piece of the puzzle? And when I run into any problems with a horse of, of any kind, it's like, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing? And I think you've hit a, a huge part of that, you know, for, for the people that I know anyway. So could you just, how did you come across this idea of sacred spaces? Well, it's kind of a long journey, but just like you, I'd kind of been the student of the horse for my whole life and just obsessed with them and always trying to find that better way or a better way to do things. And I went down the natural horsemanship route and the dressage and all that. And I kept feeling like something was missing in my instruction from whoever I went to. It's like they, I kept feeling that it had more to do with me than they were leading me to believe. And I wasn't sure what to do because I knew my horse had some anxiety issues when I was showing and, and I thought, well, he's okay at home. He's okay in these other places. It's got to be me. It's got to be something that I'm doing different when I'm at the show than when I'm riding him on the ranch. And it really took me into a whole different realm of looking at how our brains work and how our physiology is a reflection of what we're thinking and feeling. And I went down the road of psychology because I thought that that would give me a whole lot of answers. And it gave me some, but then not all of the answers that I wanted, because I thought, wait a minute, there's something beyond just the psychology here and just the fact that I think or feel something. What is it that's happening? And I watched really good horsemen around the world, and I would go and just study them and say, what are they doing? I can't see what they're doing. And that's because it was happening inside, and it was energetic. And when I went in after my, I got my PhD in psychology, I went and studied hypnosis and I went into mental training and all sorts of different avenues to go, okay, I, I know all of these pieces somehow fit together. And I began to see that, wow, we were affecting animals through our thoughts and emotions, but in a, an electromagnetic way. Like we, when we had a different thought, we'd create a different energy wave and that would affect the horse. And mm -hmm. because they were prey animals who are very attuned to their environment and what's going on and what is the intention of a predator, they were picking up those subtle signals and translating them. And when I 
became aware of that, then I could play with changing my emotions and my thoughts and my physiology to create a specific energy frequency that then could be picked up by the horse. And so now I work in that field of like, can we create frequencies that communicate relaxation, for, for example, or confidence or something else to the horse or joy? And so, you know, that that was the big aha moment for me when I started playing with my own horses. And then I thought, okay, does this work for other people? Because that's a scientist in me. It, it's got to work for other people or it's not scientific. And so I went out and started doing that. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's working for other people. This is so cool. Um, so that's kind of in the short, short version of how I kind of came into all of this. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, somebody that I really admire, you know, from the States was, he's into the science as well, but into equine behavior and how equine behavior works. And he was, he was trying to explain the training system with the horse. And I would, and I'd just come back and go, well, how come when I let somebody else work with my horse, he behaves totally differently. You know, if he's fully trained and I've worked with him for 16 years and I give him to somebody else, why is he different? Like almost instantly. And mm -hmm. he was trying to say that, uh, you are part of the science, you know, because yeah. I'm thinking the training method is the science. He said, no, no, the human and the horse together makes the science. And I think what you're saying sort of refers that's correct. Yeah. Your own mindset yeah. and what you think changes everything. Absolutely. And just like you, I can go once I know what it is and how to do it, I can go and it applies to any horse that I interact with. So I don't have to actually have a relationship with another horse. I can go in cold, probably like you do and a lot of people, and, and take the horse and say, okay, now here's where I'm at. And the horse reads that through my physiology changes, and, and they immediately act differently. And so when I think about teaching this, it's a very difficult thing because it's not real straightforward because you don't know all the variables of what is that person's thinking and what is that person doing and how are they internally reacting to the horse and then what is that horse internally reacting to you know it, there's so many factors that it's almost impossible to try to do a training program of here's how to do this um, so what i try to do is go okay here's our part of it and we can we can do these things and having trained horses myself it's like i know the how horses react and so i can kind of go into both worlds and say okay you do this and then the horse should do this in return and if the horse is doing this thing here's what you can do to do different to help support the horse or help them learn something so i love that back and forth but i think you have to have both ends of it the knowledge of the training of horses and the behavior of horses and the knowledge of humans and the behavior of humans so Yes. I mean, I, I started with natural horsemanship too, and it was really based on dominance that's mm -hmm. what I got into to start with. And I don't really believe in dominance at all anymore. But I think there's a side behind, you've got the spiritual side, which I guess I try and live in. But somehow you've got to have the safety side as well, you know, like some physical skills. Oh, absolutely. How, how do you go about, how do you integrate those two when you're training? 
what I find, and I, I spoke to a client today about this very topic about this isn't something you could just use your energy and do everything and have the horse react properly and be safe because I, I really credit the fact that I learned those natural horsemanship skills because I have a skill set that I can go back to for safety, for knowledge of how is a horse reacting? Am I reacting, you know, and can protect myself and all that. That's a really important part of this and, and a part that some people are missing about oh, I can just do energy or and everything will be perfect. No, not really, because part of the energy is having the ability to have confidence in yourself and your ability to handle whatever situation comes up. And that can only be attained through physical training with horses, you know, and learning how horses react. And, and so you can't diminish that piece of it at all. And I'm very thankful I had that and, and really studied that end of it. And it, but I realized it wasn't the whole picture either. That now with that skill set that I have behind me, I, I know I can go in and safely go, okay, what if I really tone down my, my physical set, skill set, and see how much can then actually happen without any physical um, contact with the horse or a very minor amount? And, but I know that if something does go wrong, I've got a skill set to handle that. And that's important. Yeah. It's, you know, just as a, a educator myself, I, it's really hard to tell somebody what to do, isn't it? Because they'll, they'll go, that's a rule now. Well, it's not yeah. a rule. It changes depending on what the horse offers. But I, I had a, what's well, your students and instructor? And we just had a little dressage test that we have going at home. It's just a, like a benchmark thing. It's not a real competition. And one test she's been struggling with, and it's affecting the rider and the horse, you know, because it's an emotional issue then. And yesterday we did another test, and I'd just been reading your site, you know, and I said, uh, what are you thinking? You know, when you get out there, what do you – and I just sort of switched from the trainer, how you how you control the horse to – and getting your mindset in the right place. And she did a wonderful test, you know, and we came in and I said, what were you doing? And she said, I think I tried to get into the sacred space. And I thought, wow. Wow. And wow. that was huge. So I'd like to integrate that into what I teach, but I don't know enough about it myself yet. Wow. And, you know, it's I, I'm trying to break it down. You know, as a as a researcher and scientist, I spent a lot of time in academia and they like to make things really, really complicated and use big words. And and what I found when I was in that space, I didn't want to stay there in academia because it, it's it, it was like, well, yeah, you know, all this stuff, but you can't apply it in any practical manner. You can't make it simple enough for people to implement into their lives and make something happen that they want to have happen. And that's what I feel like I'm trying to do is is take and translate that complex information from neurology, psychology, physiology, all of that into, okay, here's how easy it can be. You just need to do these three things. Usually most of my little techniques that I do are maybe three things, because what I want to do is not get people into their intellectual mind and thinking about a whole lot of stuff when they're with a horse. I want them in their feeling body and their right brain because that's where horses understand us. And so that's why my, 
my little techniques, if I, I hate to even call them techniques, things that I have you do or practice on are, are so simple, not easy to do necessarily, but they're simple in concept, but they take practice mm. because you have to, you have to first be able to communicate with your own body and figure out what you are feeling and what you're experiencing and what your energy might be. And so, yeah, it's, it's that piece of, um, again, the challenge for me is teaching something that um, you can't see, you can't see the energy. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are kind of out of touch with their own thoughts, emotions and body. And so then they've got to get that piece put in there. But when they do, what I find is just they blossom and they find these ways of interacting, not just with horses, but with other people and other animals in a very different way, because then they have awareness of what they're bringing into the world and how they're being interpreted by other people, animals. Wow. So how, how can you help people around the world then? Like you, you're based in the, the States. So like people in Australia, how can they learn from you? I, I do a lot of um, virtual sessions with people. Uh, and so they can call me and I, I work one-on-one -on -one and I, I usually have the horse there. And so I can kind of walk them through different things and they can see things um, that happen. I can say, okay, I'm going to change this in me and now watch what the horse does. And, and believe it or not, it happens over distance. It doesn't matter how far it is. Um, I can change my um, thoughts, emotions, and say, here's what the horse is going to do in response. And they usually will do that unless there's a lot of trauma in the horse or something is, you know, interrupting with that. But that way they can get to a place where they can feel it, they can experience, they can see it. And I can walk them through exactly what I did to get the result. Like, because I, you know, checking in with myself, right. what did I just do? And again, I try to make it pretty simple as far as you only have to do these things, but you're going to have to practice mm -hmm. on them. But if you do those same things, you'll get the same result. And so that's what I think talking about. Really about. Yeah. Are you talking about a result with their horse or your horse? Their horse. Right. Any horse. Any horse, actually. You know, if they practice these things yeah. that I teach. And, yeah. and the great thing about the yeah. horse is it will tell you whether you got it or not because of the reactions that you'll see from the horse. So mm -hmm. I can tell them, watch for this thing, watch for that. And that'll give you instant feedback about whether you got to that mm -hmm. place or you didn't. Um, so. Yeah. Is there any connection between what you're doing and like the shamanic horsemanship stuff? You know, I don't know the shamanic, but I would think so because there's so much of the spiritual that's brought into it. I, I don't think you can get away from that when you're doing this type of connection work, when you're connecting with yourself, when you're connecting with another animal. And I've seen just a recent clinic that I had where we put the intention out and it's, it was very spiritual and the horses came around and the one laid down, right. He didn't know the people that were there and we were in a round pen and there were probably six or seven strangers there and this horse laid down right next to everybody. And then he went through a release of some, uh, you know, this sounds really out there, but a release of a lot of his trauma that we all experienced. And two other horses stood on 
with the people and we're in that space. And it's like, that's the only thing I can think of. This is, this is a shamanic type of experience here where we're holding space for a healing to happen. And that horse was different, fundamentally different after that experience. And he was doing his connection to his owner was exponentially increased. Um, and to the point where she could go out to a field and um, jump and just think about standing on a, a little trough and he came over and she got on with the, just a neck rein and rode him around in the field. And it's like, uh, that was not a horse we saw before that. So I think there, that that's when I was trying to, when I wrote this book and I thought, yes, it's all practical, it's all science, but there's so much more than that. There's this deep thing that happens that you can't put any words on. And that's why it got called the sacred space because I had somebody come over and experience something. And I said, what do, what is it that I'm doing? What would you call this? And she said, the only thing I can think of is a sacred space. And, you know, so I, I treat it as that my, my interactions with horses, because I've seen this stuff happen and I've done these things with purpose that I cannot look at horses in the same way I might've looked at them, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, even. So, right. It seems like another one of those forks in the road for me. <laughs> you know, which direction do you take your horsemanship from now on when you hear these things? And I yeah. think it, it's it, the story in my book when I talked about my horse tank at the show, and and that was my first real deep dive into the sacred space. And I came out of that experience fundamentally changed because I could never again do certain things, think certain things about horses that I did in the past. And because it was such a magical experience. And that's mm -hmm. what I would, I, I love for people to experience that because then they, they fundamentally change too in, in the way they look. And they, a lot of times they'll say, I can't do the old stuff anymore. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. And I never tell people do this or do that. It's up to you, but I know I fundamentally changed. And what I wanted was for, after I experienced that, I wanted to figure out why I experienced that and how to help replicate that for other people. Because what I thought was once they felt that they'd never go back to some of the things they did and maybe horses wouldn't be abused mm -hmm. in the same way they had been in the past. Yes. I really would love to uh, somehow get people to follow this and understand it a lot more. I've got a horse of my own, like our stallion, we've bred a few horses from him. And three of the foals are all pretty emotional animals. You know, my own, he's 11 now. And if I take him out of his yard and, and just do anything with him, it takes very, very little for him to not be able to cope. Mm -hmm. so it'd be really interesting if we could set it up sometime maybe i'll have a lesson from you and we could record it and oh, that would see if be we can so... get through to him because yeah and these are these are the horses that i love i think um being a highly sensitive person myself and having a hard time in the world coping with human you know everything that goes human <laughs> 
I think I have that much yes. more empathy for, okay, what are the coping skills? And what, why did I go into a psychology? Because I needed some coping skills to navigate through this world um, because I was being overwhelmed. I was over threshold all the time. And what did I do is for years, I just went away and hid out on a, you know, oh, good. I get to be a rancher and be in the middle of nowhere. Oh, perfect. Oh, I get to be a researcher and sit in an office and be away from all the people. Perfect. Um, but really that's not, that's, you're losing half of your experiences in life. If that's what you do is you always just find a way to cope. That's not all that functional. Um, and one of the places I'm really looking at, and I'm going to, this is the first time I'm publicly talking about this in a bigger way is that I'm looking at dissociation in horses and when they reach their threshold and what do they do is they check, you know, people say, well, they check out. Yeah. There's a whole lot of ways you check out, not just one. And I'm looking at all those different ways that horses are dissociating because I've done it myself. So I recognize it when I see it in horses and it's not all the same. And what do we do with different types of dissociation in horses? And how do we work with that horse to help them? And, you know, it's like coming, you know, I think we, we always get that thing that we experience most in life is the hardest thing that we've had to deal with. And, you know, I, I was very good at it. something gets pretty tense for me. I'm just going to zone out and I could be functional. I, people would think I was totally functional and I was not there. I could be talking, I could be doing anything. And how many times do we see this in our horses? They're functionally dissociating. They're going through the motions. And what do you do? And how do you get them to stop using that coping strategy? So that's where I'm really intent on, you know, kind of looking into that a whole lot more. And, you know, I've, I've gathered information over the past few years of, from horses. And, and so now it's like, okay, now I think it's time that I kind of bring this over to the forefront and, and really talk about this and our training methods that cause this and the horses that are sensitive that are susceptible to using that strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you do virtual clinics or it's just the one-on-one -on -one sort of thing? You know, I'm actually doing, a, I have a group in Finland. I'll do a shout out to my, my group in Finland. And we've started doing a um, sessions, virtual sessions, where I have one person with their horse and we all watch the horse and I walk the person through doing certain things and then everybody can watch and then we can talk about what happened and why, why I did certain things. So, yeah, I, I, that, I guess that would be somewhat of a virtual uh, clinic. Um, there's, there's some other things like I can teach some of the other techniques and stuff without, you know, having to have horses there. Cause there's a lot of theory and, mm -hmm. and practice on our, our part of this, um, that can be done virtually. And I, I, I have to, I have to admit my total ignorance of how to do this stuff. I've got my Finland group that I'm trying to, you know, they're, they're pretty nice to me, you know, if like, if I mess up on the, um, the video or the zoom or whatever we're using, but I was like, Oh, the bigger people, you know, bigger numbers. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I can handle that, but, um, I need to find an assistant that, you know, can handle all the technical glitches because sometimes it gets dicey when, when you're yeah. working in energy, I, I, 
I've said this many times and people don't believe, sometimes you get the energy going and your energy can affect electronic equipment. And that's why I find that it's, mm -hmm. I have to be really careful when I'm doing something that I am not getting the least bit excited because it'll blow out whatever. And it, yeah, it's happened to me with 500 people on a, a Zoom call and it just, the whole thing just imploded. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Seriously? Okay, so um, yeah. I, I need help with that part, but I'm, I'm very much into, yeah, I'd love to do some, some clinics, virtual clinics and things like that. Well, it's good. We need to take this a little further eh? follow up and do something, get a group together for you. That would, that would be fun. We could have our test group and see, you know, a bunch of people that, that are willing to <laughs> see what goes on and, I think what, what's kind of interesting about this work I do, people go, well, what are we going to do at the clinic? Well, I have an idea. I'm going to teach this, this, and this, but I have no idea what the horse is going to do. And, you know, what, what's going to present here? And that's part of our thing as horsemen is, can we deal with what shows up that day, that minute that's right in front of us in the real world? And, and and go, okay, I'm going to draw in all my stuff that I know. And let's see what, let's see what happens here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a really difficult job you've got because when I look at just human physical patterns of behavior, just trying to get them to change the way they do things has been really difficult for me, you know, because they, they've spent years developing the patterns that they use. And it's like, yes, you, you haven't changed at all from what I asked you to do. Right. <laughs> so but, mentally but, it would be rather difficult. It is. And, but I think it, the beauty of doing it with horses is they're such a great motivator for us to change ourselves. I think, because there's things we would do for a horse. We wouldn't do for our family. <laughs> I hate to say it, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to take the criticism yeah. of the horse and go, well, you know, I guess I better change a little bit rather than, yeah, my, my sister said this about me. Well, you know, about her. And it's like, but my horse said this and I was devastated and I'm going to change. You know, So that, there's a big, there's a big motivator there yeah. that horses have for us. So. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. So it's going to be good. Uh, so I think the first step for everybody is maybe get a copy of your book, huh? Just to to learn what it's about. That would be that would be great. And in that book, I just introduced the concepts and what I like to do now. You know, like I said, I was a little afraid putting that book out. It's like I'd better just make it pretty general. Um, I didn't really go into how I do a lot of this stuff, and and so now it's uh, the clinics that I do is here are those specific techniques that I use to accomplish this thing. Here's how we get to that place. So um, that's my next book probably at some point is, you know, transitioning to that. And I'm, I just am finishing up a, a little workbook on just the breathing. And I thought when I wrote it, it would be maybe a couple pages. It was going to be hand out at my clinics and it ended up 94 pages. So this is how critically important that that just that aspect of this sacred spaces is. And it's really the foundational piece for everything. So I'm, I'm going to be ready to teach that one pretty soon. So it'll be fun. That's amazing. That's going to be really good. So they, you've got your book, I see on your website, they can order it directly. And then 
They, they can go to Amazon. Yeah, I think they can go to the website and then there's a button they can push and it'll take them. It's only available on Amazon right now, but um, just because that's easier for me to to do at this point. But yeah, they can get through it through Amazon or through my website and then click on a button there and go to the order. Well, that's good. So I think that gives everybody a good overview of what you're about anyway. And uh, yeah. We'll uh, get back to them when we can organize a date to get together. That would be wonderful. And I, I love what you're doing. And it's, it's so meaningful that we have people like you out there um, really studying and really doing this kind of work that with the intention of helping people and their horses in a really good way. Yeah. So I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate well, everybody you. that's doing it, this. It's, yeah, it's it's nice to to sort of analyze what a person is doing differently, you know, because if, if it's not physical, it's got to be something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Susan. It's great to talk to you, and uh, I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy this, and you'll have a few sales, I, I would think, because it's a very good book, and, uh, and it, you can't stop reading it once you start. Oh, thank you so much for that. that means that means the world to me coming from you it really does so i appreciate that I, i'm just a little a little scientist in the middle of nowhere you know going, oh, yeah. well yeah. i might have something to say <laughs> i don't know um well the tr it's easy like you said to get shouted down so it's good on you for for sticking your head above the wall <laughs> yeah well, it took a long year, so I got the gray hair to prove it. It took a long time, but, you know, better late than never. <laughs> no problem. Thank yeah. you. Well, goodbye All for right. now. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Talking Horses podcast. You can find more information about Steve at stevehalfpenny.com.